welcome to episode four of Two Discount Grocers and a Microphone. This is Dylan. And Mike. How you doing, Mike? Oh, doing well, Dylan. Doing well. Just uh, just got done with inventory yesterday. So, you know, that was always a, a fun time. But but it went well. It was actually, we uh, we finished up an hour early on the, the night, you know, night before count because we have morning inventories. And the inventory itself went went pretty smooth. So, yeah. And what's crazy is that, you know, we compare ourselves and I know every attribute of this store thing. Uh, and you and I had almost identical counts, both 0.03 over. Uh, we both finished an hour and a half early. They were done at 930. Usually we, we count till 11 because we have the evening counts. Uh, and I think you and I are still neck and neck for sales for the year. So. Uh, I mean, I don't see it as much now that I'm a, a California region store, but that's a whole nother cast. Yeah, yeah, you are mm -hmm. a California store now. That's right? that's true, but uh, you know, we do, you're not bitter about it because no, no, know, no, because you know, it's it's all good. It's all good. Okay. It just we have to work a little harder to see each other's uh, information. We, we do, we do. Uh, so today we're talking to Sage downtown Spokane. Uh, Going to talk a little bit about what it's like to operate uh, in a downtown store, talk a little bit about just what it's like uh, to work as a new parent, um, and then some uh, other things. Uh, What's kind of funny, we were talking prior to the call, and uh, she, along with one other person, was like, so how do you kind of come up with your agenda? What do you kind of talk about? I was like, whoa, whoa, calm down. We we just jump on these calls and talk. This is not a, a uh, list of questions we're really going to ask. We just kind of wing it, uh, per se. I don't know what kind of prep you do, Mike, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, normally I spend a good, a solid 10 to 15 minutes just kind of thinking about what might I want to talk about, <laughs> you know, but... But it's a solid 15 minutes, so, right. so that's good, you know. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, so Sage, Sage Dunaway, uh, Miss Dunaway, uh, she did a great job. I, I really enjoyed, I did enjoy talking to her. Uh, although, I guess I say that about everybody we've talked to so far. I really enjoyed talking to them, and I don't know that I would say otherwise. Well, <laughs> now you have to say it every time, because now if you go into an intro, like, okay, we have this person, and here we go, they're going to say, well, yeah. oh, that's kind of rude, which, yeah. you know, we say that about you often anyway, but... Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they were okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, well, listen, uh, let's let's wait no, no longer. Uh, without further ado, I give you Sage Dunaway. All right, and welcome to the podcast, Two Discount Grocers and a Microphone. We're here with Sage Dunaway from the downtown Spokane store. Uh, absent from her, as we noted in the last podcast, very disappointingly so, is Jack. But that's okay. We won't focus on Jack. This podcast is all about Sage because, I mean, as we all know, she's the one that runs the show there for sure. So anyways, Sage how the heck are you? I'm going doing on? great. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. This is really exciting. Been listening to the podcast and really enjoying everything so far. So glad to be part of it. Um, so a little bit about me. I've been with Grocery Outlet for about 11 years now. 
Um, I started in my hometown in Jackson, California. Um, on the day that they opened that store, I helped them open that with set team. Um, worked there for a few years um, and then uh, ended up going to corporate and working on set team. Did that for about three years. That's actually where I met my husband, Jack. Um, he had some previous time in grocery outlet at his dad's store. Um, and yeah, so then we trained in East Wenatchee and, um, a store opened in his hometown here in Spokane. And funny enough, at first we were like, there's no way we're going to downtown Spokane. And, uh, but we took a look and decided it was going to be a good step for us. And we've been here for just over five years now. So I definitely want to talk about, you know, obviously your store and that kind of stuff, but just real quick set crew. Was that a little bit like running away and joining the circus at all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has kind of that feel. Um, I love my time in set team because I got to meet so many operators and like learn all of this knowledge that I just, you just can't get it otherwise, you know, um, it's a really kind of amazing experience, but uh, yeah, it had some, interesting times you know i mean crazy remodels and and stuff just goes wrong and new stores i had one store that there was like sap dripping from the ceiling i was the captain of so i mean it's a pretty crazy experience but um yeah it was fun learned a lot during that time i don't know why when you said that though i just pictured eric sap like clinging to the ceiling just dripping sweat for something i don't know I'm pretty sure that's there. actually what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's what you meant. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so uh, with tech crew, obviously your background is different than most people's. Um, what are some of the downfalls that you feel uh, come from set crew going into a store that you kind of face as a new and younger operator? Yeah. I mean, especially you say younger operator. I mean, when Jack and I were selected, he was 24 um, and I was 27 and so we were really young getting into this. Um, we didn't have a lot of management experience, which I think was, I mean, we on set team, you kind of have a team that you manage, but they're your equals. So it's a little bit different um, experience. And so I think that was our biggest gap was just not having, you know, people underneath us before and kind of working our way through that to help build a team well. Hey, I was going to ask, yeah, so uh, this is, nothing to do with what we're going to talk about, but I'm curious. Uh, so how, how, how was that being, being younger and going into a store? Did you find that to be a challenge when it came to hiring employees and some employees that are older than you, or maybe have been in the, the grocery game longer? Uh, how, how did you, how did you navigate that? And what were your experiences? You know, I, I was really worried about that when we went in. Um, I think we, we both were, um, but it, we actually didn't have that experience. And I, I think part of it was just because we knew so much about grocery outlet. And when we came in, we were working so hard side by side with all of our employees. I mean, when we took over our store, we worked 16 hours a day, open to close. We slept on dog beds under the desk, uh, to take naps in between, you know? And so, I think our staff saw how hard we were working, how much we were into it as much as they were. And uh, so we didn't really get any pushback that I thought we would. We definitely got people that were like, you know, in town when we tell them we're an owner, they'd be like, you know, look at us crazy. Like, whoa, you, you own a grocery store, you know, so young, but um, nothing negative came out of it. I was really surprised. Okay. So if you were to give advice to any other uh, people kind of in your kind of same scenario, what would you tell them to do before they go into a store? 
uh, number one, build your network. That's like the mm. number one thing that helped us. I mean, I don't, Dylan, I don't know how many times we called you in town uh, just to find out how to work through the issues that we just didn't have any experience with yet. Um, and so the more owners, operators, you can know the best. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just work hard that beginning part and, and build a really good relationship with your team because they're who's going to get you through it in the long run. So if there's any other people out there that uh, started off on set team, met their husband and then get a store in their hometown, that's, that's what you got to do. That's the road, the map. So, okay. So you guys are in downtown Spokane, which was an existing store when you took it over. And, uh, Recently, Jack's dad, who had the, uh, it's, I'm blanking on it now, Lebanon, the Lebanon yep. store, uh, moved to, uh, I know you can tell me this in a second. I'm just trying to uh, flex my memory muscles, but they're not working. So what Podcast store did he move to? One hour long. Just want to say one yeah, hour Yeah, long. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spokane, Washington. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I know Spokane, Spokane, Washington, but what store in Spokane? Uh, uh, like sorry, Spokane, Spokane. Valley. Spokane <laughs> uh, yes, I know Spokane's in Washington. Thank you, Sage. <laughs> Spokane Valley, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and how many other how many other grocery outlets are in that Spokane area? There's five of us. <clears throat> you got Cheney, Airway Heights, Spokane Valley, North Spokane, and Downtown Spokane. Gotcha. Uh, and Cheney is just like airway east right or i'm not sure the direction but they're pretty uh, close together dylan probably knows better than me i'm really bad at geography, <laughs> but yeah, okay. yeah i think that sounds about right yeah okay gotcha <laughs> gotcha uh so uh so how is it operating uh having your your father-in-law up the road is that a, a net positive i'm assuming yeah, it is yeah, and if absolutely. it isn't i doubt you would say it but <laughs> Um, yeah, we've been really lucky just in general, all the operators around us are really great. And so, um, we've worked really close together through everything. And so, you know, like, you know, recently my father-in-law was, had to be out during an inventory. And so, uh, we were able to go down and help out with that. And so, and that's happened with all of our stores here. There's always been times where one of us has had to jump in to help the other one. And, um, so, I mean, it's really a great thing, the network we have here. You know, I'm sure it could be really pro, you know, pro con kind of thing. So, you know, I obviously know that area well because, you know, we were there for a couple of years and, and it was really nice to be able to have such a tight knit group to be able to run ideas off of, use people to trade other people, uh, to borrow bags if someone forgets to order them, uh, but also can be very counterproductive as well. You know, we know a lot of people who are also in areas where uh, they won't uh, talk to the store next to them for whatever reason. Uh, so I think you're in that great situation where you have just a lot of really good people that you can just go any direction. Um, you know, that's one thing that Tony and I talk about a lot that we miss. Uh, our nearest store is, you know, 80 miles away. Uh, so it is not the same as just going to the store and checking out an idea or, or hey, I got this question or, you know, come see what you're doing. Um, yeah, that's one thing we definitely miss. Um, and then, you know, Sage already mentioned, we, we talked all the time. We'd visit each other's stores, good ideas. Uh, it, it just kind of helps you grow when you have that mentality that we're in this as a team. So, uh, yeah, I, I see that. Uh, as far as downfalls, uh, what kind of downfalls are there with having so many stores around? Um, definitely, I would say prices. Um, we have customers that shop literally all five stores. And so if you're trying to do a markup on something and another store doesn't have it, um, 
or, you know, you've got, we've had stuff where another store had a mass amount of something they had to mark it down because they weren't going to sell it in time. We didn't have that much of it. So it wasn't necessary for us to mark it down. And we have stores coming to us like, oh, it's so much cheaper over at this other store, not understanding, you know, either they have different dates or um, just, you know, different product in general. So we get a lot of that. That can be really hard to, to deal with. And I did hear that Jack likes to just mark things up just to kind of start fights. And he's not really here to talk about that. So we'll just skip that point. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry, Jack. <laughs> he's got the baby. So we're going to give him a little slack today. Fair enough. No, you're you're going to give him a little slack today. <laughs> fair, fair. But yeah, I mean, I just being in a, a location with stores like this, it I think that it's really sad when you see other locations that can't work together because it has been so positive for us, especially in like marketing experiences where, you know, there's events that we couldn't afford alone as a single store. Um, but when five of us split it, not only can we afford it because we split the cost five ways, but we split the work of the booth. And so it's not like one operator has to be there all day or all week. We just take shifts. Um, and so that's been really cool to do. And we just do like a coupon that works for all of our stores so that there's no question about, you know, who store are we giving out. Um, it's really nice. Dylan used to do them with us. So he knows. Yeah, I remember doing one event where uh, the person we gave the gift away, uh, we we're like, okay, come on out here and come grab your gift card and your basket. And they're like, well, I live right by the downtown store. Can I just go there and get it? <laughs> and I think we we said, no, no, we, we had to come on out to get the basket. And we said, yeah, the gift card could be used anywhere. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, we've done so many of those events where for one, uh, events can be boring. And so when you have a bunch of operators you get along with, uh, it, it makes a day go by fast. But then I think they, uh, the community see that we're much bigger than just uh, what they think it is. You know, when we talk about community involvement and it's one person doing one thing, okay, that's great. But when you have five stores represented at a booth, all talking to all these people and they realize that we're all, we get along, we're friends. Uh, I think it has so much of a bigger impact because, you know, we talk about this all the time. That's something that no one else does. You never see really Fred Meyer owners out there talking about what they can do, everything else. It's more of, oh, these really are local people. Um, from all walks of life and, and, uh, yeah, yeah, those are, those were fun events. So, you know, I think too, um, and you know, as, as grocery outlet is continuing to expand, you know, they're really filling in on the West coast as well. Right. So they're going East for sure, but, uh, they're the radius around stores seems to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller and, you know, maybe it's not, but maybe that's just perception. But, you know, they say perception is reality, so I'm right. Uh, but I, I can I can imagine it's really hard if you have a store coming in, you know, a couple miles down the road from you and all that kind of stuff. But to your point, you can almost, you know, try and look at it as what can you get out of it? And having, if you can get along with that other person, having the benefit of going in on promotions together, being able to amplify your dollars. Um, you know, I've never really liked the idea of like death by thousand paper cuts where you're just doing a ton of little tiny things that don't really make a huge difference, but all those things add up financially to really, you know, zap your bank account. So it feels like if you have, you know, a couple of other stores that are nearby and you're in a community that you can, I mean, obviously you can do your own stuff, but you really have an opportunity to kind of get together and say, Hey, how can we supersize this? How can we make a big impact 
since we're all only put in in a third or something like that. Uh, and it can go much, much farther. What's your experience with that? Or have you had much experience with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I, I guess a great example would be last year for IFH. Um, every year we've done a um, like battle of the badges where we bring down like firefighters and police and they race through the stores and try to raise as much money as they can, uh, kind of like a shop to you drop kind of thing um, where they fill their carts with as much as they can in two minutes. And so last year we actually competed against Spokane Valley and made it like a who's you know, Spokane Valley Fire Department versus downtown, who can do the best. Um, and so it was a really fun way to get like the whole community involved instead of, you know, I mean, for three years we've done it on our own, which was great, but the impact of having the two stores compete against each other just really amplified the whole thing. Gotcha. And, and just real quick, who, who has the better store? You or Spokane Valley? <laughs> just, yeah, just, just curious. Oh, oh, Dave knows we've got the better store, and Jack's no, okay, little brother okay. Bob. Yeah, we we let it known. We actually all had dinner last night. Airway, us, uh, Spokane Valley, RAOTs and stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely in every every time we see each other, we let them know. Constant <laughs> battle. Who's got the best margin? <laughs> I almost think that uh, that idea of the race of the badges would be unfair because the police know your store pretty well, I hear. <laughs> but that we'll, we'll wait till later to talk about that. And in yeah, case we'll corporate did not hear, uh, Mike did say that he feels there's power in numbers. And so if you're thinking about a second McMinnville store, he I believe he said uh, he could partner up with them and have a massive production of marketing. So anyway, I just want to you know reiterate that yeah. in case that was missed. You know, uh, Mike, I wouldn't, Mike, I wouldn't I'm gonna have you meet your mic. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't put them past it, put it past <laughs> them. But uh I truly would feel sorry for anybody that took over that store because the, the communities around us are like tiny. <laughs> and I got Newberg up the road already. I got John yeah. Newberg. So <laughs> uh, I heard a term the other day that I've never heard. Uh and it was an operator who uh, you know, there's always that kind of frustration level of like you know could there be another store going in and and if there's a competitor do you want a grocery outlet as a competitor or do you want someone else and and sometimes there's benefit obviously to have a closer grocery outlet sometimes rather than having like a winco or someone else uh, but i heard the term uh i don't want to see another duplex store and i'm like oh that kind of makes sense two stores that are virtually connected together um you know and I know it's frustrating, but I'm sure at times it really does make sense just because if sometimes if Gersla doesn't go in, I'm sure someone else could go in and it almost could be uh, more detrimental to each other's business. But uh, it's always the the black sheep of an idea that no one wants to be part of, you know, the idea that it could always happen. And so you just kind of hope for the best and go from there. Um, and then that's when, like, you know, Sage said, you know, you got to build your own crew. You got to build your own following because customers are, are are loyal to to a point and sometimes you can grow that business up to where even though there might be that competitor they may still support not grocery outlet but they're going to support you personally so you know the more you're out there the more your name's out there your face is out there uh it definitely is going to help in the long run uh but no matter what it always does suck so we all know that so okay so dylan you'd you'd brought up you'd brought up uh the 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 police are familiar with Sage's store there. <laughs> they run to your store often. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it, it, when they've got time. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, so you're in downtown Spokane. Uh, now, I guess 
without selling the good name of, of Spokane, which I know you would never do uh, by any means, but I guess when I think of Spokane, I just think of a nice quaint little community in Washington. Admittedly, I've never been to Spokane. This is just, you know, whatever my perception is for whatever reason, but uh, what, yeah, tell me, tell me about your store and your location and kind of, you know, what you're dealing with being a downtown location. Because yeah. when I think of downtown Portland, for instance, like I have a good idea what downtown Portland is or LA or Sac Sacramento, but Spokane still feels like a small town, but maybe it's not. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because I came from a really small town. The town I grew up in was 400 <laughs> people. I mean, it was teeny tiny. And so um, to me, this is like a really big city, but it also does have that small town feel still. Um, it is the second biggest city in Washington um, behind Seattle. And so I think just in general with that, you've got your own stuff that comes with it. Um, you know, if it, for instance, when we were told the store was opening, we were like, no, we're not going to go there. It's downtown. It's pretty rough. And then we got here and it was not, you know, it wasn't really that bad. It just needed to be cleaned up and put some more groceries on the shelf and build a good team. And, um, we were able to change a lot of things. I mean, we got walkie talkies was one of the first things we did, which took probably a year to really get everybody on board with because we do earpieces too. And so that was a change for everybody. But um, they, once we got that down, that's really helped our systems of just, you know, being able to, you know, secretly in between employees call and say, you know, we need eyes on aisle one or whatever it is. Um, we got lockers that we put in front of the store for backpacks because um, I didn't want my cashiers to be in charge of people's belongings. And it was kind of a 10, 20, 30 times a day thing. And so uh, that really helped. Everybody can set their own code and lock their stuff up front. Um, but I'd say the last probably year or so, it's just really dramatically gotten worse. Um, I think everywhere. Um, I think COVID really affected a lot of, um, you know, the transient populations and um, housing and stuff. And so uh, the streets, I mean, we had the largest homeless encampment in the state of Washington this year um, right off of the highway up here. And it, it was rough, you know, and you say, you know, like you said, the police know my store. Unfortunately, that encampment encampment that had 700 people was in the same jurisdiction of the five police that are available in Spokane in the downtown area. Um, and so two parked there at all times, there's three available to take calls in downtown. So that that's rough. Hold on. Did you say 700? 700. Wow. The encampment. Yeah. Holy cow. What? Yeah. Yeah. It was really bad. They called it uh, Camp Hope. Um, it's actually on Google Maps. Uh, you can look up Camp Hope right off the freeway. Um, and it's they've started to, to move it out. But unfortunately, when they move it out, it's just moving out to downtown and moving. You know, it's not... So it's, it's gotten really tough. Um, they, it is election year. So that part helps. Um, the last few weeks we've started to see some improvement. Um, they've put signs on it because we're surrounded by bridges on all three sides of our store. And so, um, this last year, I mean, constant fires. In fact, I, I was on my way to work and I saw this guy, they have a guy in a Honda CRV that has a fire vest on that just drives around with fire extinguishers to put out little fires on the side of the roads. Um, wow. That's, that's yeah. something when you're like, you know what we need? <laughs> yeah. We just need somebody to randomly drive around because there's that many fires. Yeah. I mean, our dumpster was on set on fire a few weeks ago. Again, uh, we had a, 
person shot in a drive-by behind our store um, probably a month and a half ago, drug himself into the front door. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's scary for your employees. You know, it's scary. I got my daughter that she's seven months old. You know, we want to ha- live that grocery outlet dream where we take our kids to work and um, you know, it's sometimes it's scary to, to have your kids at work in this kind of environment. Um, and I mean, we work with it every day and we've got amazing employees that, I mean, great example. Yesterday morning, we were having an all-store meeting, all the employees in the front of the store and before the store opened. And we had this lady that was, you know, really, you could tell really high on drugs, um, come up to the door and start slamming herself against the door. And the employees looked over at her, and looked back at the meeting. I mean, like it was just like another day in downtown, you know. Um, and it's sad they're numb to it at this yeah. point. Yeah, just Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, had, Hillsboro. we had some managers from another store that were coming to observe our meeting style, and they yeah. were like, "Uh, this is normal." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, you know." Yeah. Uh, Hillsboro. Just a couple of days ago, somebody. Uh, started a dumpster fire at their in their dumpster and it was like an old dude it was crazy because they had it on video and he starts the fire and then you see him go off camera for a minute and then he comes back and he's like dragging a pallet <laughs> like <laughs> throws the pallet in there and just stands there and watches it and yeah uh, unfortunately the fire department came about five minutes after he made his exit but yeah uh yeah i've had i've had people start fires behind my store too i don't get it i, I mean i don't know I guess there's no understanding uh, craziness, but you know, and and (laughs) you mentioned it too. It's, it's not, it's not just downtown Spokane. I mean, so many people talk about how really just, I mean, everything has changed so much uh, really since COVID. I mean, there are a lot of areas that have always been kind of higher risk or, or issues, but like really this last few years, we've seen such a, a influx of things like this. Um, You know, we've talked many times, you know, with, Jack and Sage, just about how, like, I mean, it's it's part of doing business in certain areas. You know, it's part of just what we have to deal with. But at times, uh, just, I mean, not just overwhelming, but just, you know, we put so much into this and our business and what we do. And, and it, it's really hard sometimes to not take it personal, to not just uh, be so numb to it. Because on one side, you can try to ignore it as much as you can and try to deal with it uh, the best you can. But then you become so just used to it that it, it, it's very uh, frustrating. Um, and you don't want to have that feeling where you come in and you're like, well, now it's just a job. It, it's just something I have to deal with every day. I mean, it, it's unfortunate. Um, especially when, you know, we have so many good people who do, who work around so many, uh, objectives like this. I mean, you know, to have a, an employee come in and say, listen, I want you to focus on this. I want you to have high standards. I want you to care about this. And by the way, I need you to ignore half of what you're going to see and hear uh, while you're doing your job, I mean, it's a lot we ask of them, and I do feel like our people do a really good job of trying to manage their own expectations, but also try to be positive when dealing with this all the time. Um, yeah, it's, it can be tough. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if it weren't for our team, I, you know, days would be a lot harder than they are. And, you know, we almost have more trouble with employees caring too much about the store, um, where, you know, I don't want them to put themselves in danger. Um, just to, you know, for, uh, for a lipstick or for, you know, and fortunately our customers see that once they get inside the store, they love it here, you know? Uh, and so we get a lot of really good compliments about the inside of the store, but 
it's hard for them to get from their car sometimes to the store. Um, you know, this is, uh, and I, I don't know how customers would feel about this overall if you'd get much pushback, but I know it exists. I really, I really would love to find a uh, like facial recognition software where, because so many times, right, when you, when you catch theft or something like that, it's after the fact, right? Because at least for us, you know, I, I tell my employees, listen, I'd rather let 100 people get away with stealing than accuse one person wrongfully of stealing. And I've had that before, right, where a, a manager gets overzealous. They're like, hey, I saw you put that in your pocket, and they pull their phone out or something like that, right? And this, that always sucks. But so anyway, so yeah, it's always after the fact. And I feel like there should, if you had a good camera that was at the front door just capturing faces, then if you catch something after the fact, you could go back, tag that face, and get an alert sent to you saying, this person just walked into your store. And so you can just basically turn people away at the door after that before they get an opportunity to do more. Uh, you know, yeah. You know, a big problem with that would be, like Sage said, you know, five officers, you know, two are already dealing with the 700 behind our store. The other three, you know, are they going to have the time or energy or, or, you know, be able to even deal with that? And, and two, if you see them, uh, how many times have they even been prosecuted? I mean, anymore. Well, but, so often they don't even get prosecuted. So, yes, I may recognize them, uh, but that's if they're in the system. Well, that, but that's what I'm saying. It wouldn't be in the system as far as like the police department or anything like that. It's just in, it's your, it's your system, right? You have their picture saved on file. And the whole point is that you don't have to call the cops because you're, you get, you know, you're basically turning them around within two minutes of them being in the store because you can refuse service to anybody for, you know, well, not for any reason, but you know, for most legitimate reasons, and this would be legitimate. And then you don't even give them an opportunity to do right. anything. They've done it once, right? Okay, whatever you got away with that one time, hope it was worth it because you, you're not going to come back in here. But the problem is, right, like we print pictures and we show our managers and this and that, but especially at a store like your stage and even yours, Dylan, right? And even mine to an extent. I mean, listen, I don't. I think that my store is a little bit better when it comes to theft and whatnot than yours is or either of yours. But um you know, showing pictures, you know, it's like as a manager, you can only hold so many pictures in your head. You know, it, it doesn't really work. If you could have your, your phone do the work for you and just send you a notification, this person walked in. Okay. Right. Uh, with the reaction, with, with, with the reactions we've received to uh, scanning people's IDs, I don't see people wanting their face <laughs> recorded anytime soon, but uh, you know, it's, <laughs> an idea i like the idea of it <laughs> have you have you gotten pushback on scanning ids well so we started scanning ids right before covid hit and mm -hmm. so it kind of was perfect timing because people freaked out for like you know three weeks and then covid hit and they had way bigger fish to fry than you know um they had masks to fight about and you know just yeah. like they, were, they weren't worried about the scanning ids and so every once in a while we'll still get somebody but like it's not crazy like it was gotcha so how do you how is your uh, how is your employee morale around that stuff and what is what is their attitudes toward it, towards it is it totally just kind of indifference at this point or you know I think it depends on the day it depends on if they've been screamed at yet um, you know I think that can wear it wears down on you you know I mean right before even during COVID I would say that Jack and I 
thought this would be our forever store. You know, I mean, we took it from 129 to almost 200 a week um, in just almost two years. And, you know, we were just so excited that we were in his hometown, his whole family's here, his dad has moved here, you know, but this stuff wears you down every day. And so the employees, we've got really good morale um, for being where we are and what they have to deal with. And um, like I said, sometimes we've got to like tone them down because they just, they love us. They love the store. They want to protect it. Um, they have that passion that we have, which you can't find always, you know? And so um, part of it's like, you're, you're so happy that they love you and the store as much as they do but then you don't want them to put themselves in any kind of dangerous situation because you care as much about them as they do about you in the store, you know? Right. Do you feel like, uh, do you feel like you have to schedule extra labor based on the challenges of your store or do you still just schedule it based on what needs to be done as far as product and whatnot? I mean, for the most part, it's, I, we try, if Jack's in the store, he's the only one dealing with that stuff. We will have, I mean, obviously employees will come back him up but we have them deal with most of the situations. Um, and then at night, you know, we just have some managers that are really, we've really trained and toned in on what, how they need to deescalate situations and what they need to do. And so we haven't had to add a lot of extra. We did look into security, um, but it would cost us seven, eight grand That's a expensive. month just yeah. for someone to stand there. Like they're not going to do anything, you know, they're just a presence at that point. And so, it just, it's not in the budget, you know, it's so we'd really like to, so that our employees didn't have to deal with it as much, but, um, yeah, I mean, Jack's just here extra time to help deal with those situations mostly. Well, and it's so frustrating too, because I, I'm sure you guys have both had this experience where, you know, you're watching something and you're thinking to someone and you're thinking to yourself, like, look, I know you're going to steal, you know, you're going to steal. Can you just get it over with so I can get back to what I'm doing? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, our team is so good. I mean, someone like you were saying with the facial recognition, I don't know, my team's pretty good. Someone will walk in the door and they're like, three years ago, six days and seven hours, this guy was tra was tra uh, trespassed <laughs> from the store and should not be back here. And I'm like, All right. yeah, maybe it's just my older brain. You know, you got that young, flexible, pliable brain that can retain things better I think <laughs> and your staff hard, apparently <laughs> you know the hardest part for me is that it's funny if you read my disc assessment it literally says that i will avoid confrontation until it goes away like i will do everything to just not have it you know and so for me coming in i remember the first week i was here there was this lady acting crazy and my employees went to go take care of it and i tried to turn around and was like wait a minute I, I have to be the one, like, I have to do this. I can't let my employees do something that I wouldn't do. And so, and that was really hard for me because it's totally against my DNA code to, to confront people. And, um, so it's, it's been a learning experience. I think for Jack and I both, you know, he's not a really confrontational guy either. So, um, yeah, it, it's taken some, some work on our part. And just uh, so you know, yeah, we did. We both read your disassessment before this yeah, call. Yeah, that was yeah. part we, of our planning. We, you know, we spent <laughs> weeks uh, kind of going over notes and had an agenda and said, you know, here's some questions we're going to ask her based on what we read. Wow, we barely made it to this call on time. And yeah, so yeah, I was going to say, uh, gosh, maybe we should start doing that. Incorporating instead of asking people to tell us about themselves, we'll tell them about them. <laughs> there we go. Just, just read their disassessment live. It's pretty amazing how accurate it is, <laughs> honestly. Oh God, I remember when I took it, and because when I when I first started, it was me and my mom, and uh, man, that thing was like bang on for both of us. Yeah, I was like, wow, okay, 
Yeah. yeah. I remember so. when uh, the recruiters were like, listen, we're going to send you, send you the results and uh, have a drink and read these because it, you're going to take this personal thing and whatever. And then you read it and you're like, Oh man, that therapy 101 right here. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> next day, Tanya asked for a divorce because it just reminded her of all the things that are wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, she works with me every day, so she knows everything that's wrong with me. So oh wait. Oh, this is so she works for you. Okay. I got it. I, I just said, I said with me. No, I think you said for, but that's okay. No. It's wait. it's on listen, nice it is on tape. It is on tape. We'll second story we'll listen back. That's all this. I'm saying. <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny oh. is, uh, you know, Jack is, isn't on this call and, and people only get to hear this, but we get to see because we're in this, you know, virtual room and behind you, Sage, is a big picture of Jack on your shoulder. It's kind of funny. I, I don't know if that was on purpose. Uh, if it wasn't, say it was. Okay? Uh, no, uh, it actually fell down. We'll say last week but probably four months ago, and we just haven't gone to hanging it back up yet. Okay, so it may have fell down, but why are there feet prints on his face? <laughs> that seems personal. The baby, I mean, she's just learning how to walk. Maybe has big feet, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, hey, so that actually brings up uh, something that I was gonna, I wanted to ask you about. So you just recently had a baby, right? How old's your daughter or son? She's seven months. She's daughter, yeah, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Uh, so, Tell me about that, about, about being pregnant and owning the, you know, having to deal with store stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. How long were you, how long before you took time off? How much time did you take off? How's it going now? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I worked until I think two or three weeks before my due date. Um, and I mean, I worked, I, it's so funny because like I said, the employees really do care about us. And so I'd be like in the back climbing on top of pallets to get something for somebody. And my employees come back there and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, get down and let me do it for you. Um, so I, it's real. I mean, like I love what I do. I've got a ton of passion for it. And so it's really hard for me to stop. I mean, I changed a tire at seven months pregnant because I just didn't want to, you know, make Jack come home and do it. So um, it's hard for me to stop. Uh but once I had her, um, Jack probably took three weeks off. Um, we were really fortunate to have not just a am whole amazing team, a really amazing um, store manager. And so he was able to really watch the store for us so that we didn't have to stress about being gone. Um, I was, I had, she actually came to her first uh, regional operator meeting when she was four weeks old. Um, and that's kind of my first day back in the store, but I didn't, I mean, for probably the first six months, I was mostly in and out. I would work maybe 20 hours a week. Um, just, you know, one, like I said, it's, it's kind of scary bringing her in here. And so um, I would, we just take shifts and Jack would go home. I mean, it's amazing not to have to pay for daycare because the prices these days are crazy. But um, I mean, I do have like a little crib here in the office that she'll hang out in and and we have the wraps, so Jack will strap her into the wrap. That's where he's got her right now. He's like working beer and um, she'll just like fall asleep in the wrap on him. Um, sometimes he's got to run in here and throw her into my arms so he can go take kick somebody out. But, um, you know, it, it's 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 been really interesting. This probably the last three weeks, I started coming back into the store more full time. Um, we've got AOTs now. And so I want to give them the full experience. And 
Um, so I've needed to be back in the store so that I can, you know, provide that for them. And so, but my house is a mess because, you know, now I'm like back at the store. So it's really hard trying to juggle this time back and figure out, you know, how just our day-to-day -day lives. It's, it's a big change. Definitely. Well, part of your AOT training, you should try and teach them about work-life balance. And so you're going to bring them to your house to clean that. <laughs> And, you know, and find the time to do that whilst also managing the store and everything yeah. else. I mean, I think it'd be a great uh, training learning uh, opportunity, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what are things, uh, so since you've had your, your first little child, uh, obviously, you know, we're, we're both parents. Um, what's probably been the biggest change uh, from owning a business as a, you know, just husband wife team to now owning a business as a parent, besides the fact that, you know, obviously, you know, you mentioned not wanting to bring her in as much, but what's been like the biggest mental change you've had? Uh, just being able to let go um, and, and realize that, you know, like when I'm stuck nap trap, that I'm never going to experience this with her again. And so just really trying to take all that in because it's so hard for me to let go of the stuff at the store. Um, because it's just, it's what I do. It's what I love. And so, um, you know, seeing paperwork pile up or seeing, you know, coming in and just having to just let it go and know that I'm going to get back in the groove and that, um, we're going to, you know, get back to where we're at, where we're at, but, um, it's a change just not being able to spend like right now we want to do a reset. We've gotten new refrigeration, um, in this last few months and, uh, we're trying to reset our whole Haba aisle to match that. And I want to do that so bad because I am a reset queen. This is what I do. You know, I was on set team forever. It's what I love. And so um, knowing that I can't come in in the middle of the night and do that because I have a baby now, you know, and so I'm going to have to let the control go and let, you know, Jack come in with the, you know, our team and the AOTs and stuff. And fortunately, my brother-in-law owes us some time and him and his girlfriend were on set team. So they're going to come help out. But knowing that I can't be here and I can't like control it is really hard. <laughs> right. Right. I can. Yeah. <laughs> Turning it off is always a, always a challenge for sure. But I, I would imagine, um, you know, in this day and age, it makes it so much easier though to do that with having, I mean, I don't know what you guys use for scheduling, but like, you know, we have home base and, you know, there's so much stuff that, if I need to be home, I can kind of run the store remotely uh, with my crew and my team, and it makes it makes it much easier for sure. Um, yeah, we actually signed up for home base when I like in my third trimester, so that Jack could do scheduling from home when he needed to, and because we were still using like an old Excel sheet, and uh, so we started making some of those transitions around that time. You know, I remember when we had uh, our, our first little one, um, <clears throat> it, it, same thing. It, it, it so mentally changed how we react to certain things and, and what we can do because I, I was always a person that I, I would want to go in the middle of the night and do a wine reset, uh, you know, and just go in and, and do certain things. And then you have your, your first little one um, and it changes. All of a sudden it's like, you know what? I can't be here past this time on this day, or I can't just, you know, stay an extra three, four hours because, you know, the work's not done. Um, and we also had really good employees, but after our second child, uh, you know, we had, uh, I mean, still had good employees, uh, but we were even able to take a bigger step back. And then we started empowering everyone else. And then we realized 
wow, the, you know, we have so many people that can do so many great things. And I think when you do it yourself and you want to always be part of it, you, you tend to take on more than what you maybe should at times. And then when you're kind of forced uh, to rely on other people, you realize for one, people can do great things and, and then they really want to, and then they just want to do a good job and, and, and please uh, us as, as uh, employees and employers. And then they start having more skin in the game. And then you realize, you know what, uh, I should have let this go a while ago. It, it kind of forces your hand to rely on people and then realize that you can even get way more done. Um, obviously at times we've got to rely on them even more so, you know, when things happen. Uh, but I think it is a benefit to our team, uh, not just to get more stuff done, but to give them responsibility because sometimes jobs get old and they get tiresome. And 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 when people get uh, the chance to kind of make a difference, uh, they more than likely will, will raise uh, their own standards and abilities. And then, you know, they like their job more and then we like it more. So, um, twofold, it kind of happened. So, all right, Sage, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here a little bit because we're, yeah. we're coming to the end of our time here mm -hmm. and we didn't, we didn't talk about this, but, uh, you said, uh, your sales were what, when you first took over Spokane, uh, 129 and they are now, uh, like 193, I think. Okay. So, so very respectable lift there. Yeah. Uh, what is what has been the thing that you attribute most to that increase of sales that you guys have done? Um, building a solid team that I mean, at the end of the day, they are what gets it all done. Like you said, I can't do it all myself. Um, no matter how much we would want to, it's just not possible. And so from the very beginning, we started training them on all kinds of other stuff that none of them had ever seen before. And so um, it gave them the passion empowerment. We worked with them side by side to get them excited about it and know that we're doing it with them. Um, and that has made all the change in the world. Um, you know. So what was the biggest merchandising thing you did in your store? We did a lot. We did a lot. <laughs> I mean, like literally the first two weeks, we had Randy and Rosa. Um, if you haven't worked with them, they're amazing. Um, and so Rosa was helping me in the office, and Randy just like helped us rework our entire store. We cut aisles back. We changed our front lobby. That's probably the biggest thing. We changed the front lobby where people were just cutting straight through to aisle three, um, and it was really cramped. Everything was squished together, and there was carts all up there. And so we reopened the whole front and back of the store. Um, gave room for pallet drops and stuff. But I mean, coming from set team, we did a lot of changes uh, merchandising wise, just because we are, I mean, it was what we did. So on, uh, you know, re redoing your lobby, opening it up and whatnot, and, and also dealing with a challenging store, uh, how do you balance uh, convenience for the customer and shopability and all that kind of stuff with also kind of being defensive against theft? Yeah. I mean, we, we closed our wine department in. Um, so we took our tables instead of them being in the middle of the wine department, we almost made like a wine wall all the way around it. One way in one way out. Um, which actually customers love because it made it like a giant wine department, um, like a real wine department in a store and, um, also kept people from dash and bass the registers. Um, and so, and I think people were so excited with how full and fresh and everything was that they, they weren't worried about the little inconvenience of having to walk a little farther away. Um, and you'll see it in our comments on like Google and stuff where they were like, man, I was so mad about the lockers and having to walk around, but 
Then I saw what they were dealing with and I get it now, you know? And so um, I think they, every time you change something, people get upset about it. Um, and the guy, we had one guy that was like, you moved everything around. It's more organized, but it's moved, you know? <laughs> so uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, you know, I think the customers get, they know where we're at. Well, hey, just this, in, this just in, I just got a text from James Henson from the Federal Way store. And uh, it says, uh, Federal Way is the best. <laughs> and they had somebody set their dumpster on fire and it melted the lid because the lid wasn't open. And it went, they set one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten bales on fire <laughs> as well. So. So you are not alone in your yeah. uh, dumpster fire escapades. They actually Wait, cut yeah. our bales open so they could take pieces of cardboard. So now we have to keep all of our bales in our little tiny back room for the Nice. Summer. With <laughs> all your pallets as well? Yep. yep. <laughs> first first stage was thinking only 10 bales. Huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, well, Sage, thanks for coming on with us. It was a real, uh, real pleasure talking to you. And uh, I guess we got uh, Jack signed up for the quotes podcast. That's right. The quotes cast. <laughs> so, uh, so anyways, but yeah, it was great talking to you. And, uh, and uh, yeah, you guys are, you guys are good people and, and uh, look forward to seeing you grow and seeing what you do next. So. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. See you later, right. Sage. Bye, Sage. Bye. Bye. All right. And so that was Sage. That was great. That was a, that was a good conversation. Um, I, uh, I took away a few things from that, but, uh, uh, one one thing is that uh, dumpster fires are fairly common, and not just the in in a literal sense too, not <laughs> in a figural, figurative sense. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I I was expecting that at all. But you know, I, I think if anything, uh, we have learned to expect the unexpected because no day is ever as planned, right? So. No, absolutely, absolutely. So, did you uh, did you have like flashbacks after talking to Sage of just kind of working in that area and owning a store over there? I mean, the the Airway store was so different compared to the downtown store. So, I, even though it was only you know ten miles apart, uh, we didn't deal with near as many things um, as she dealt with. And obviously, you know, talking to Sage again, it just brings back memories of uh, being in an area that has you know so many different stores and competitors, and uh, you know our stores are so different. Uh, but no, we did not have to deal with that. Uh, but we also have dealt with our own dumpster fire. Uh, behind our current store, so uh, yeah, that might be a that might be an interesting uh, little poll you do on Facebook. You know, how many stores have had dumpster fires? Uh, I'm kind of curious now. So yeah, if you could work on that, that'd be great. Get that posted. Yeah, well, and actually, and I think you would have to say literal dumpster fires, though. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. You know, most yeah, you know, a lot of people would be like every day. Every day is a right, dumpster fire. Right. <laughs> All right. So yeah, uh, actually, I would say. Uh, your store now is probably a little bit more similar to her store at this right, point right. versus before at Airway, right? Well, yes, but but nothing 
to what she's dealing with. I mean, you know, we've talked several times about, you know, day-to-day operations and, and what they have to deal with. And again, we, we have to deal with some stuff, but nothing at that level. And, and, and the whole 700 person behind their crazy. store camp, I, when she said it, I, I, I was, wish you could, you know, record our, our face. Well, actually I don't yeah. wish that at all, but I mean, yeah. I think we both dropped our jaw, like hold, hold on 700. That's, that's intense. I mean, how do you even go about from a city standpoint how do you clean that up i mean that's yeah that that does not sound like fun you know but it, well, it's, but it's yeah. what we're dealing with right now so. yeah and i can't remember the saying exactly but you know it's like a you know a little basically the idea of like a little bit of maintenance is worth a ton of i'm not i'm basically i just totally screwed that up <laughs> the idea being that once it gets to 700 people it becomes a whole nother thing and it it is insane it's got to be insanely hard yeah. to figure out what to do at that point like once you've let it grow to that big of an issue mm-hmm. you know and this is not like i don't have you know the answer by any right. means but it feels like if uh cities all up and down the which it feels like more of a west coast issue overall i could be wrong about that but it feels like the 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 homeless situation and the drug situation that exists all over but it feels like it's very concentrated on the west coast specifically or is that but because if, that's who we talk to i mean you know i don't talk to many east coast people so i don't know if it's as i mean you know, it probably is a big issue everywhere i don't know i mean i went to okay i went to new york not that long ago and uh i got to say i mean there's definitely there's definitely uh you know homeless people there for sure there's you know all kinds of stuff going on and and maybe it was just in the areas that i was but i compared that to walking around portland and i went my god new york feels significantly uh better managed as far as that situation goes it feels safer and like all these types of things and you know i'm i'm walking down you know walking down uh, the street at you know three in the morning in New York and and be like man I'd much rather be walking down this street at three in the morning than somewhere in Portland, which is odd. I think the bigger question is what were you doing at three in the morning walking down the streets of New York? I mean that's oh you know uh, no no <laughs> yeah no okay now I went through all my uh, smart ass remarks and I realized that I don't want to say any of those so right uh, I was coming back from a comedy club specifically. And it oh, might have okay. been two in the morning. I don't know. But anyway, okay, uh, but that's not the point. The point was is that <clears throat> if if these municipalities were kind of managing the problem along the way, it seems like it would have been a much easier fix along the way. Instead right. of you know, you once it gets to a certain point, it becomes so big that uh, I don't even know how you deal with it at that point because you got people coming from you know those seven hundred people. I guarantee you are not all from Spokane either. Right. Right. And so I don't know. That's tough. It is tough for sure. I think the only way I could kind of try to wrap my head around this is uh, I have two little boys and they leave toys everywhere. And when they leave 10 or 20 toys around, it's pretty easy to clean up. Uh, But if they ever leave 700 toys around, uh, I'm just moving. I'm not even going to stay. I'm just going to pack up and leave. So just cut your losses. Yeah. Go. Got it. Got Pre- it. Pretty much the same exact thing. Just saying. 
All right. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, I think that's a, a one-to-one comparison for sure. <laughs> right. Uh, so who do we have for our next uh, episode? All right. Well, uh, coming up on the next episode, uh, we're going to have Scott Hines from Elkton, um, which is in Maryland. And uh, we wanted to talk with somebody over there specifically because, uh, well, we wanted to talk to somebody who, A, is a newer operator, oops, (laughs) and also uh, somebody who's gone into a completely new uh, market where you know, your customer base doesn't know what grocery outlet is. Okay. Um, so I think obviously uh, along the West Coast, you know, I think even when they're going into places in Idaho and that kind of stuff, people have at least heard of grocery outlet. But right. So, so Scott, Mr. Scott Hines is next. Perfect. And he's a, Perfect. And he's a single operator too. So that's something we haven't really touched on either. So it'll okay. be a good conversation. And Dylan, now you think you know Scott? Maybe I. You said the name, and it sounds familiar. I, uh, yeah, I'll give him a call and and reach out and find out. So yeah, gotcha. Uh, it was funny, you know. We just said this is you know episode four. So for episode five, uh, we've now done three more episodes than I actually thought we would have done when we did this. I thought we were going to be this is going to be a one and done. Um, and, uh, yeah, I am, I am actually surprised. So, well, well, listen, um, <laughs> we've, we've totally beaten your insanely low expectations. So good Pre- for us. Pretty, pretty, pretty standard. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, I need to get on out of here. So I think we will, are we planning on next week or the week after? Yeah, it'll be two weeks. We'll do the. We'll, we're on the two week turnaround now. I think that's a that's a okay. that feels good. That feels like a good a good uh, spacing between episodes. So, all right, my friend. Well, it was a a pleasure as always. You too. We will talk. Uh, who are who am I kidding? I'm going to talk to you today, probably. I'm sure I'll talk to you about some silly in about two hours, and then you know, okay. if you're not golfing, that is. Yeah, no, that's okay. I'll I'll just send you the voicemail. All right. With that, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.